Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you for the, the gracious invitation to come and be with you and your church this week for the opportunity to be able to stand behind your pulpit and share with the people you dearly love. And it's obvious they love you and your bride as well. And and uh, church, thank y'all for your kindness this week, for your gracious spirit toward me. I do wish my bride would have been able to be here uh, the whole time. Y'all would have loved her. She's easy to love, let me tell you now. She really she really is. We've got some of our chapel folks here uh, with us tonight that have come over, and they'd tell you that she is a, an easy lady to, to love on, and she just loves people and has a bubbly spirit. She's the best part of me. I just wish she could have been here with you this week, but I know she's right where she needed to be. So uh, we give glory to God on that. She got to spend some time with my youngest daughter, and then they uh, conceived a little plan, and they drove five hours north and got with my oldest daughter, and now they hanging out with the four grandbabies, and they said they were going to throw a party tonight. So uh, that that's what they do in the night. They were going to have a party. She she done went and got a cake and, and um, a game for them all to play, and I talked to them on the ride over here, and, and uh, they were going to celebrate here in a little while. So I, I'm glad she's there and that she can do that, and that's something that we've always prayed for, that she would be able to go and be with them when, when it was needed, and uh, even when it wasn't just for the opportunity to be around those uh, girls of ours and those grandbabies. But I appreciate you. I thank you, and it's obvious that uh, the chapel folks uh, let out tonight and come on over here uh, because he who was going to fill in for me tonight and preach in my stead is sitting out here. So uh, so it's obvious that they they decided to come on over. So I'm glad they did. And um, we, we love our church. We're grateful that they send us forth to do kingdom work and they have a vision for that. And they they want to see the kingdom advance and, and grow, and they support us in doing that work, along with other ministries and works as well. And uh, we're grateful, because we want to have a kingdom mindset. Uh, God is much bigger than we at Briggs Chapel, much bigger than Waholic Baptist. He's bigger than all of us combined, and he's doing works all around the world. And in some places... He's doing unique things, and, and we, we want to be where he's working and doing what he's doing and praying for what he's doing while he works with us and see him at work in other people around the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. To him be the praise and glory. Well, look, if you'll take your copy of that precious Word of God and turn to Matthew chapter number 21, I think we'll start out in Matthew tonight. And we will use our Bible a little bit. We're going we're gonna to go to uh, the, the Older Testament and we're going to see that this verse, this phrase, this message that Jesus uh, drew out here in Matthew 21, uh, beginning in verse number 12 through verse number 16. He, he pulled this out of the Older Testament, out of the Psalms, and we will examine that and see how he transliterated it, how he interpreted it, how he conveyed it to the people in the temple that day, and I believe that it will be a blessing to us as we look at it, and I think it'll help us for where we are right now. The Bible says in Matthew 21, beginning in verse number 12, the scripture says, and Jesus went into the temple of God 
And he cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. And he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it into a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priest and the scribe saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yes, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Father, we praise you tonight and thank you for this revelation. Thank you for this truth that is able to penetrate within the deepest part of us and separate uh, the way that we think and discern things. We're, we're thankful that you can illuminate the inner man. You teach us in the, in the precious word that we're to guard our heart for out of the heart proceed all the issues of life. And we want to be able to interpret the, the things that we see and the things that we hear and the places we go and the people that we're around. We want to take every thought in the captivity <coughs> unto the obedience of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we need your light and your truth to interpret all that we see and do. We praise you tonight and we ask you to help us. We ask you to teach us. We ask you to open our understanding to comprehend what is written in the scriptures and we humbly submit ourselves in a meek spirit to say, Lord, we want to be teachable. We want you to mold us and shape us. You are the potter. We are the clay. And we ask that you'll have your way with us tonight and that you will lift our spirits in adoration unto you and that we will praise you and give you glory in all things. I love you. I thank you. I thank you for these that are here tonight. I pray now that you will bless them with your presence and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I, as I look at this passage of Scripture and really just want to center in on that, that phrase when Jesus uh, dealt with these chief priests and these scribes, and he says, Have you not heard, have you not read that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings that God has perfected praise. The Older Testament tells us, uses this same thought process. They run hand in hand. Jesus is just illuminating to us what the thought was when it was written by King David in Psalm 8. Matter of fact, turn to Psalm 8 real quick because this is where he drew this from. Let's see how he based this same idea out of the Psalms, if you'll turn to Psalm 8, we will see it again. Psalm 8, we'll see this is exactly where Jesus drew this out of the well of the treasure chest of the Word of God Himself. As He told Satan that day, y'all remember in, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter number 4 when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness and and Satan was, was trying to tempt him and manipulate him. Jesus says these words that man is not to live on bread alone, but 
every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. Amen. Here he is. He's drawing this out. I'm just going to begin in verse number 1 of Psalm 8. The scripture says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens and out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. You see, this is where Jesus pulled this out. Now, when Jesus said it, he used the phrase perfected praise. In the Old Testament, David, when he wrote it, we have in the King James translation, ordained strength. Now, he's saying the exact same thing. It's just saying it a a little bit different. The word ordained in, in Psalm 8 and the word perfected in the New Testament, Matthew 21, both of these words, in essence, are meaning the same thing. The word ordained means to establish, to frame something, to pull together is the idea. It, it comes from uh, the, the basis and the context of this passage even helps it even further with us. The New Testament word perfected means to adjust, to mend, to thoroughly pull together. So no matter how we look at it, even though he used perfected when Jesus spoke it, David said ordained, the idea is still yet the same, is that God has forged something together. He's created something. He's formed something. He's coupled something together to work with purpose, to work with intention. And when we, when we understand it that way, Jesus used the word praise. David used the word strength. Both of them are speaking of a might. God forged something to be strong. And what he forged to be strong, what he pulled together like a weapon, like a sword. When they would make swords in the older day, or a blacksmith would even make a sword today, uh, many people in times past would use bronze or they would use even some copper. You know, copper uh, was a little bit more flexible, but it wasn't as strong as bronze. And depending on how you put it in the flame, Brother Shannon, uh, and, and what you would remove from the metal, whether you had it, uh, had more tin or alloy, alloy in it would depend on how strong it was. Here we have a, an engineer here. He can tell us about metals and, and the way that you forge and craft and put together things, how you temper things and heat and how you got to put it into the fire and then you got to cool it. You got to build some strength behind it because whatever is strong, something that is stable and strong has been forged by God. Now Jesus interpreted that in the essence of praise as being something that is strong, that God has forged together to make a weapon for his people. And the context of this passage even takes it further to to solidify that. Look at it again in Psalm 8. Notice how he helps us realize that praise is actually a weapon that God forges, establishes, frames, ordains, For the child of God, for what reason? He says it, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. So it's a weapon. Praise is a weapon. And I think in our modern day, in our time, there's a few things that the church has lost sight on and has failed to realize or recognize that 
praise is literally a weapon in the hand of the child of God to the glory of God. We have a weapon. Not only do we have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, when we take on the full armor of God, but God has ordained praise or forged praise to be a weapon in the mouth of God's people. Amen. Hallelujah. To Him be the glory. Amen. There's a few things I want to point out, a couple of things, what God's done with praise. Number one, the scriptures tell us that God inhabits the praises of his people, or we enthrone him in his praise. Let's move over a few psalms. We're going to come back to Psalm 8. Look in chapter number 22. This is one of these messianic prophetic psalms, Psalm 22. If you put 22 side by side with Isaiah 53, they would run in perfect harmony which is all in reference to the life of the Lord Jesus. And notice what we have in verse number 1 of Psalm 22. Verse 1 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now who said that? When did he say that? On the cross. Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, I am not silent, but thou art holy. O oh, thou that inhabits the praises of who? Israel. Some translations use the word inhabits as who dwells in the praises of Israel enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now here we have a messianic prophetic psalm of Jesus who is saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I keep crying out to you, but you don't hear me. I keep roaring in the night and doing the day, but you're not responding to me. But nonetheless, this is what he says, nonetheless, thou art still holy. Amen. And because you are still holy, you are still good. Yes. And because you are still holy, you are still gracious. And because you are still holy, you are still merciful. And because you are still holy, you are still God. And because you are God, you're still in control whether you answer me when I want you to answer me or not. Amen. You are still. And therefore, because you are holy and you are separated, you are unique, you are worthy of my trust. And not only my trust, but you are worthy of my praise. And I will praise you. And give you glory. Because I know that you are enthroned and dwell in the presence of your praise. And God, I'm going to praise you whether you answer me or not. Because I trust you. Matter of fact, how do I know that? Y'all don't mind turning in your Bibles, do you? And ain't nothing more better than a preacher here than them Bibles. Turn out there. So turn to Isaiah real quick. Isaiah uh, chapter number 50. Watch how this happens. Isaiah chapter number 50. We enthrone God in our praises. He inhabits that. And when we praise Him, even though it's a sacrifice of praise, even though things are in us are saying, why is it the way that it is? Why do I have to go through what I'm going through? Why is He not answering me when I think He ought to answer me? I can trust Him no matter what because He has not been moved from His throne. His character is who He is. His attributes have not changed. And there's nothing that I can do or can't do that can change the fact that He's still God. Amen? Amen. 
In Isaiah 50, notice in verse number 4. This is another prophetic word that is the reference to the life or the daily routine of the Lord Jesus. The scripture says, The Lord God hath given me, that would be Christ, the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth me morning by morning, and he awakeneth my ear to hear as to learn. The Lord God hath opened in my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back from that is what he told me to do and where he told me to go. To the point, verse 6, notice how this is said, I gave my back to who? To the smiters, and I gave my cheeks to them that plucked out the beard. I hid not my face from shame and from spitting. That, that's Jesus right there, isn't it? The Father told me what to do. You know, Jesus told us when he walked on this earth that he didn't do anything unless he heard first from who? From his Father. Amen? Amen. He said, I don't, I don't heal anybody. I don't preach to anybody. I don't raise anybody from the dead. I don't, do, I don't feed anybody. I don't do anything unless I have heard from my Father first. And he's telling us in this passage, he's giving us a little glimpse of his daily life. That the Father would awaken him morning after morning. He would give him an ear to hear so he could hear as to learn. He'd give him a mouth so that he would know not just uh, what to say, but he says, you've given me an ear to hear and a mouth to know, know how to say. Yeah. Not, not just what to say, but how to say it. There's a big difference, amen? How many of you ever told somebody uh, something that was accurate and truth and it was right on time, right on spot with what you said, but you didn't say it in the right spirit. You ever do that? Amen. Come on now. We have, huh? Well, you see, Jesus said the Father helped him every day of his life, not just to know what to say, but he helped him to know how to say it. And as he did that, he also not only showed him to heal people and to feed people and to touch people's lives, to heal the, the lame, to give sight to the blind. He showed him all that, but then it came to the point where he also showed him one morning that he was going to have to give his back to the smiters. And he was going to have to walk through the crowds that hollered crucify him. And they would spit on him and they would beat him and they would take his old beard. You can grab my beard and pull on it and pull on it. Grab my hair and pull on it. And because it's not quite as long as Brother Walt said, you could probably not get as much control as you could on me. But I could probably grab his and drag him around a little bit. But you think about that with Jesus. They pulled the hair out of his face, out of his beard. That would hurt, brother. Amen. Amen? And the father told him that's what he would have to do for that day. That was part of the journey. And he says, I, I didn't turn back from it. I, I didn't shy away from it. Even though he got to that place on the cross where he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou for... I mean, God forsaken God. That, that's hard for us to explain, isn't it? But it is what it is when God placed sin upon him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. In our stead. But the scripture says that, that he, he didn't turn back from these things. Matter of fact, notice why he did it though. Verse 7. He says, for the Lord God, that would be my father, he's going to do what for me? 
Oh, here we go. He's helping us now. He's helping us. He's trustworthy. He's holy. And whether he answers me or not, he's worthy of my trust and he's worthy of my praise and I know he's going to help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. Therefore, I've set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Amen? Amen. He trusted his father. He trusted him because he's trustworthy and he's worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. And he knew that even when things were not going the way that, that in our daily life in a way that we think they ought to go, when things are not working out and, and, and say you, you get diagnosed with, with cancer or you, you have a tractor run over you or, or, or you, you cannot do what you used to be able to do or you lose a spouse or a child, even though we don't have the answers for all those things, we know that we serve a God who is trustworthy that whatever he does is always good, it's always right, it's always just, it's merciful, and we can depend on him. That can't help but follow up with adoration and praise toward him, even if we don't have the answer for it. Amen? Amen. And we have thrown him in those praises. And I think about Romans 8.28 that says, All things work together. For the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Now one thing it didn't say. It didn't say all things are good. Because all things are not good. But he said he'll work together all things for the good. Of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. People ask me at different times. And I'm sure you get this. But how's everything going? And I tell them. Sometimes I say everything that I know about it seems to be going good. And the things I don't know about, he's promised he'd work them together for the good. And to his glory. Amen. Because I want to tell you, most folks that get diagnosed with a sickness or a cancer or something, a lot of times they may have had that cancer for five years, six <coughs> years, and they never knew it was there. He knew it was there the whole time. Amen. <coughs> he's trustworthy. And we can depend on him. No matter what. So we've got to recognize that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we are to praise him because he has forged that praise to be a weapon in our mouths. And not only is it a weapon in our mouth, but we, we enthrone him. He inhabits those praises and he uses that for his glory. Now, the, the, the other aspect of it, of this being a weapon, go back to Psalm 8 if you would. And let's look at it a little bit closer and see how he uses this when he says, again, in verse number 2 of Psalm 8, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. Now the word steal there is a, is a very important word for us uh, to, to, to grab a hold of. Some translations use the word quiet the enemy, to silence the enemy. Uh, today, I noticed today for the first time, now I know, I know how these things work, but I've never seen it with my own eyes. But today, I was watching this dirt dauber. Y'all got dirt daubers over here in Wahala? No. 
I mean, if you stand still long enough in a yard, a dirt diver is going to start building a nest on you. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, it sure will. Well, I, I, I heard old dirt diver going, and and I mean, just today, I, I, I sat down, I, I, I stationed myself. I was going to watch this happen because I knew what that dirt diver was up to. I knew what he was doing. So I just sat down and I started watching, and sure enough, Within about five to seven minutes, here comes a dirt diver flying in. And that dirt, dirt diver flew up to that nest and got right at the, the bottom of it and started hovering there. And, and I noticed, hanging out the bottom, I noticed some legs hanging off that dirt diver. And that dirt diver went up in that mud nest, got up in there, and it was making that old racket. What kind of racket does it make? Familiar, huh? You could hear it working. And then before you know it, came out of that nest and flew off. And another dirt diver was just working around the nest. It was flying around. I said, well, I'm going to capture this on my phone. I pulled my phone out. I got my video going on. So I started videoing a little bit. And I wasn't able to catch the dirt diver coming back to bring another spider in. That's what I really wanted to catch. Because I know what a dirt diver does. A dirt diver flies out. You see them hovering on the ground, flying all around the ground. They're, a dirt diver is an excellent spider hunter. It's flying out there and it's finding spiders and that dirt diver uh, sting that spider and the venom in the dirt diver paralyzes the spider and the dirt diver grabs the spider, brings it back, puts it in the nest, doesn't kill it, just paralyzes it, puts it in the nest. And what I did is I started fooling around with that nest and I started chipping away at it a little bit. And I got in there and I could see those legs of that last spider hanging out. And on the back of that last spider, there was some larva that was laid on it. See what that dirt diver does? He builds chambers in there. He's got little chambers built inside that, that little mud nest that he makes. And, and he, he packs it in there with living spiders. The spiders are alive. They just paralyze. Well, he lays that, they lay that larva on top of that last spider, and that larva, over time, as it winters, that larva is going to start maturing and growing, and it's going to eat the spiders. Now, this one particular nest that I dealt with, Mr. Oss, when I knocked it out, there were 14 live spiders that fell on the floor. 14 of them. Some of them was about that big around. Some of them were real tiny little bitty things, but there was 14 living, paralyzed spiders inside that dirt diver nest. I've got a picture of it. I'll show you afterwards. I did. And, 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 and that's what happens, is that that spider is stung by the dirt diver. The spider more than likely has what it needs to probably kill a dirt diver or take care of a dirt diver, but the dirt diver has been designed by God that's kill that spider, or to paralyze that spider, put it in that nest, the larva's going to eat on it. You know the only thing you'll find in that nest, if you knock it down after a period of time, the only thing you're going to find in it is you're going to find a little bitty dirt divers growing and you'll find some legs. They don't eat the legs for whatever reason. Mr. Lemmerk, I don't know. They don't eat the legs. They eat everything else. That's all you find is legs. But the same thing that happens with the spider happens with you and me with the weapon God has forged in our mouth with praise. The scripture says that when we praise God, God steals or he silences or literally he paralyzes the enemies and the avenger 
simply when his people praise his name. Amen. Hallelujah. The idea of stealing or quieting or silencing or shutting the mouth of the spider or the enemy is, is, is parallel with the idea is that though the, the spider has enough venom in it to take care of the dirt dauber, but because it's paralyzed, the dirt dauber renders the spider powerless to overcome it or its young, its larva that it lays in there. And they just packed them live spiders. If you, how many of you ever knocked down a dirt dauber nest and they had living live spiders in it? Oh, yeah. And you see those legs. Those legs that move ever so slow. But they can't do anything. They've been paralyzed. <laughs> what I want to tell you here tonight is that I, I pray God will give you a revelation of this. That he'll open up and illuminate your understanding. That he has forged a weapon inside you. And that will come out of your mouth. It's called praise. And when you praise God in adoration, in life, in daily living, and continue to lift up the praises of God, God says he will render the enemies in your life, the enemy against you and his kingdom, he will render them powerless over you simply through the gift of praise. Amen. Come on. Amen? To him be the glory and the praise. So what that ought to do for us is that we ought to just always be praising him. Amen? Amen. We ought to always be praising him. One thing we know that God said he's going to work everything together for the good. We, we can praise him. That's enough. Amen? But you know what else the scripture says? Today's the day the Lord's made, isn't it? And what shall we do? Be glad in it. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? You know what the, the book of Hebrews 11 Hebrews 11 and verse number 3 says, For the, the we know that by faith the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now that word there in Hebrews 11 isn't the word cosmos for the world that we live in. Uh, this planet, this universe. It's a word in the Greek that is used as the word eon. And an eon is talking about an age, a time frame. So we believe by faith that the ages, the times, the days, the months, the hours, this day right here was framed by the spoken word of God before the world was ever fashioned. God spoke it into being. So right now as we live and breathe and where we are, we can rejoice and be glad in because our God spoke it into existence before Amen. time ever began. Amen? Amen? We believe that. Not only, yes, he created the world. And he said, let there be light, and there was light, and he created all that's in it, and he saw that it was good, and he made you, and he made me, and he provided a redeemer for our fallen state. But even beyond that, he framed the day that we're living in. All that it is has been spoken into existence by the, by the word of God. I know things are not good out there, things don't look good out there, but we can still rejoice and be glad because our God is still holy. And our God's still on the throne. And we can praise him. And he has put a weapon in our mouth that he has forged and given strength to to overcome the temptations and the wiles of the enemy. He silences, he paralyzes, he renders the enemy powerless over your life when you will simply praise God in adoration unto his name. Amen. To him be the now, in light of that, something that we have to also recognize that I believe the church, we, we, we have failed to understand and recognize in our day. 
is that not only has he given us a weapon, not only does he enthrone himself in our praises, not only do we have power to silence and render the enemy powerless, the scripture says that God has elevated our praise above all other praise of creation. That your praise and my praise, the praise of the redeemed, supersedes the praises of the angelic host supersedes the praises of all creation. God has ordained that his people's praise supersedes it all. How do I know that? Because based on the revelation of God's word. Turn to Psalm 148, if you would. Psalm 148. Psalm 148. As the psalmists are closing out the psalms, we find them giving this all-in-all all declaration that everything that has breath ought to be praising God. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to start reading in verse number 1, and I want you to read. I want you to just join in with me, follow in with me if you would, and I believe you'll see what I'm talking about. Verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from where? The heavens. Praise him in the heights. And praise ye him all ye who? His angels. Praise ye him all his hosts. Praise ye him what? Sun and moon. Praise him all ye stars of light. Praise him ye heavens and heavens and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. Let everything praise God, angels, sun, moon, stars, and everything. For the Bible says, for the heavens declare what? The glory of God, and the firmament declares his handiwork. But you know what? There'll never be a soul saved by the declaration of what heaven, about the heavens praise and declare. The sun can only manifest that there is a God, but it can't tell those who see it who that God is. That's where God's people come into play. Amen? Amen. So he goes on to take it a little bit further. Verse 6, He have also established them forever and ever, and he have made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, the mountains and all the hills, the fruitful trees and all cedars, the beasts and all cattle, yep, creeping things like spiders and, and uh, dirt daubers and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them do what? Praise. Praise the name of the Lord. Why? Because his name alone is excellent. And his glory is above the earth and the heavens. Now notice verse 14. Here it is. Y'all stick with me now. He, that is God, also has exalted or elevated or lifted up the horn of his people. What is the horn of his people? Now he's going to explain it. What is it? It's the praise of all his saints. Even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. How many of y'all like forwards out here? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. 
How many of y'all prefer Dodge? Raise your hand. One or two. How many of y'all prefer Chevrolet? Raise your hand. We all have preferences. How many of y'all got a Toyota out there? Raise your hand. Look, we got a few of those too. Uh, we all have, what, what, what's y'all's favorite basketball team? Somebody say somebody right now. Kentucky. Kentucky. LSU. Who else? Mississippi State Bulldogs. Oh, somebody likes them Warriors. They won last night. What about East Mississippi? Three national championships in the last little bit. All right? You see, but we all have our preferences, no matter how we look at it. One man likes a Toyota, another man likes a Ford. One man likes this, another man likes that. One lady likes shopping at, at Belk or Mac Ray's, and another one likes going to J.C. Penney's. And we, everybody has their particular preferences. Some folks like Dillard's, and some like dirt cheap. My wife likes dirt cheap. <laughs> we all have a preference. Well, you see, God has a preference, too. And though everything has been commanded to praise him, he says there's been one dynamic of praise that, he's, that he prefers over all, that he's elevated above all, that has been exalted or lifted above all, and that's the praises of the redeemed. You see, because the praises of the redeemed supersede the praises of angels. I'm talking about angels that praise God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, who cry out, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. Our praise, when we praise God, He prefers that praise over all other praise. Why? Because we have been redeemed out of the pits of hell, and there's no angel that has fallen that will ever be able to be redeemed. Number two, creation declares the glory of God, but it cannot define who God is. It cannot declare what Jesus has done. That's where his people come into play. And when we praise him in adoration of him, God says, that's my favorite praise in all the world is the praises of the redeemed. Folks, that ought to do something to us, amen? amen. To know that when I praise God, that my praise supersedes the praises of holy angels. My praise supersedes the beauty and the brightness and the glory of the sun and the moon and the stars. That God delights in my praise and in your praise that comes out of the treasures of grace toward him. Matter of fact, the New Testament says that even the angels look into the grace of God, look into the things that God is doing within the church. They marvel at the way God has worked and rescued and redeemed a rebellious sinful people who are in hostility and enmity to them and how he can transform them from being a creature against him to people who are in love with him and, and, and live to lift up his name. Amen? Amen? To him be the glory. He has elevated your praise. He loves your praise. So praise him. Not just for the fact that it's a weapon in your mouth to silence or, or render the enemy powerless, but God delights in it. He loves it. And he is, he's made it superior to all other praises upon the earth. To him be the glory. But you know what? As we close, something that you've got to keep in mind. Satan is a better theologian than all of us in here. 
Satan knows more about the Bible and more of the Bible than anybody in this place. Amen. If we pulled all our in intellect together and what we know from a scriptural basis, it would not supersede what he knows. And he's still the devil. And you know what he knows? That if he, if he, if he can keep you from praising, he will keep you less of a threat to his work on the earth. Because he knows if you praise him, God's going to render him powerless and his, his demons powerless in and through your life. Matter of fact, that passage that we just read, I thought these no deer horns in here. I use these for rattling every once in a while. A horn is something that is strong, something that is hard, something that is, 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 is actually can be used as a weapon. For example, if I was to ask some of you in here, how many of you ever dehorned a bull in here? Raise your hand. Anybody ever dehorned a bull? Why does a farmer dehorn a bull? What's the purpose of dehorning the bull? Protection, keeping from what? Hurting somebody. Protecting his investment and keeping him from hurting the other cows, keeping him from killing a cow. That's investment. Protecting his his resources, protecting himself. Now, a big old bull is dangerous whether he's got horns or not, amen? But he's less of a threat if you dehorn him. You know how God just described in Psalm 148, I praise, he called it a horn. The horn of his people. Why? Because a horn is something strong, something dangerous. And the enemy knows if he can dehorn you of your praise, he renders you less of a threat to his investment and to his resources. I don't, I don't want him to dehorn me, amen? amen. I, I want to celebrate the goodness and the glory yes. of the Lord and praise God. I want to render him powerless uh, over the work, not just for my name's sake, not for me, but for the kingdom's sake, for God's name's sake. Why? And this is the last thing in closing that we need to recognize and realize in the church today. That the platform for praise, praise has a platform, the platform of praise is always obedience. Amen. Obedience. Obedience. That's the platform of praise. Obedience. The scripture says in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 28, 4, He who forsakes the law praises the wicked. But he who keeps the law contends with them or is in battle with them, fighting against them. So think about that for a moment. He who forsakes, leaves off the law, leaves off, and the law speaking uh, the word as a whole, the ways of God, the principles of God, how God works. He who forsakes the law automatically, as a default, automatically praises the wicked even when they don't know they're praising him. The enemy doesn't care if you recognize you praising him. He already knows you are praising him and giving tribute to his kingdom when we forsake the law or not walking in obedience to the, to the will and the work of God. But when we walk in obedience, faith obedience to the Lord, with the Lord, we automatically contend with the enemy. We render him powerless as the platform of obedience opens up the door for praise and God puts a weapon in our mouth to render him powerless and silence him so that we can do kingdom work and not walk around less of a threat to 
Satan's uh, kingdom, but walking around as a man or a woman or a boy or girl who is dangerously, dangerously strong with the truth of God. Amen. And doing what God's called us to do. Amen. Amen. To him be the praise. Amen. Matter of fact, in our psalm reading today, us at the chapel, we read through Bible books together. And we're in the Psalms right now, and our daily reading, Psalm 81, was part of our daily reading. And in Psalm 81, the Lord told his people, if Israel would just listen to me, if they would just listen to me and open up their mouths wide, I would fill it. If they would just hear me and walk with me and follow my ways, follow behind me, open their mouth like a bird in the nest that has a mouth wide open, anticipating God to fill it. Beginning in verse number 10 on through verse 16. This is what God says. God says, I would fill that. I would feed them. I would lead them. And then he says, I would bleed the enemy out in their life. I would put the enemy on the run if they would have just listened to me, follow my ways. I would feed them with the finest of wheat and I would feed them with honey from the rock I would take, I would sustain them and satisfy them. I would lead them. I will bless them. I will feed them. And this is what I'll do to their enemies. I will devour and destroy their enemy in their life. Why? Because they're walking in the platform of praise, and that is obedience. And when we walk in obedience to the Lord, God uses that lifestyle as a declaration of praise. He renders the enemy powerless over us to do his kingdom work. He puts that weapon in our mouth because he delights over our life, over the individual, over the group of people that just lift up the high praises of God. Amen? Amen. So church, I'm, I'm, in, I, I'm just saying we need, you need, I need to continually recognize there's something powerful in our lives when we praise God. Don't never take that lightly. Amen? Don't never take it lightly because God uses it in a mighty, mighty way. I think about it with some of our children and grandchildren and neighbors and loved ones. We need to start praising God. We need to start forgiving people. We need to start walking in the power of His truth and watch God do a work, not only in our own personal life, but the people that are connected to us and around us. And, and, and begin to take a stand walking in the power and authority of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. He'll use it. The old devil's real, isn't he? Amen. And I want to tell you, in and of yourselves, none of us, we cannot overcome him. We cannot, we cannot get past him. And not just him, most of us never beckon the attention just to the devil himself. I'm talking about his principalities and his powers and all that that go along with it. We'll get serious with the things that God's called us to do. He'll use us in a mighty way. And that would be my message for you this week. Continue to ask God to send forth his light, send forth his truth, that you will live that missionary life who is effective for the kingdom of God, and that you'll walk in obedience and praise God through all things and everything. Don't be so condemning of those people around you that you can't get past what they're doing and you believe in a gospel that's able to transform who they are, and you start praying for them, and not that you can't do what they're doing, you just don't want to do what they're doing, and you're not going to put them down, you're actually going to invite them to come walk with you and follow you as you follow Jesus. Amen? God will use it and bless it in a mighty way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you.
I ask that you help us, as Psalm 34 would say, that I will bless the Lord at all times, and your praise shall be in our mouths continually. Our soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O come and let us magnify the Lord together. I pray that you will help us live in adoration and praise before you. We need you, Lord. We need you. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.